0: Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture, and I'm your host, Cherise Sims, and this is the Black Love Podcast Network. If you don't know me, and I hope you do, I am the mama to six beautiful heavens. Yes, I call them heavens because while they give us a lot of stress, they also bring a lot of peace a lot of times, and experience a lot more peace than we do as adults. Uh, my children are 13, 11, nine, seven, and I have twin four-year-olds. And I am an early educator, a parent coach, and your friend. Yes, if you're here with me, you are my friend. So it has been a couple of weeks since we've been here. And we're going to get into why it has been a couple of weeks since we've been here today. And to be honest, it is because I'm a mom. Y'all, these mom stressors and these challenges with our children have popped up. And they have stood in the way of me being able to come join you. Y'all know how you want to go out with your friends or you want to go to coffee and then something happens with the kids or the partners out of town. Mine was out of town. He was in Seattle. And you're like, I got to (laughs) cancel. So I had to cancel a couple of weeks in a row. But as I tell my actual friends when I'm like, if I didn't make it, like, keep inviting me. So y'all keep coming. Keep listening to the podcast. Even if I'm not here for two weeks, I'm still your friend. I'm coming back. I'm just also a mom. And so my time gets taken sometimes, but in, in worthwhile ways. So as always, I like to start with the peak and pit of my day. It's a Something that I do with my own family at the dinner table, it gives us a window into one another's lives and our days. It opens up conversation and allows us to connect. And I love to connect with you guys here. So the peak of my day is my daughter. You know, my daughter, the braider, Hope. She is 11 and she's braiding and she has an Instagram page. Go follow her. It's called Braiding with Hope. And she has told me that she wants to grow up and be a professional braider and open a beauty school. And she wants to be a millionaire and she wants to be a celebrity stylist. This girl's got big dreams. (laughs) And somebody found her on Instagram and sent her Instagram page to Jasmine Lawrence, who is the founder and CEO of Eden's Body Works, which is a skin and beauty company and hair product company. So go check them out. They have awesome products. Jasmine, is actually someone who at 11 years old, she got a perm, and it took out all her hair. So she became dedicated to creating products for her and her sisters that would bring health to their hair and treatment to their hair. And so she created that. And it kind of just took off. And now her business is doing very well. She is an adult now. But when she saw Hope, she said, that's me. That was me when I was 11. So she reached out to us and wanted to have Hope braid her hair. And she came down from San Francisco to L.A. to get her hair braided by Hope. And it was just the sweetest thing watching 11-year-old Hope look at a version of possible future her in 30-year-old Jasmine. So I appreciated that. And it it just made me feel good to know that people support you and support your daughter. You know, you, you expect and know that your friends will and your family will. But to watch total strangers come through and, and support this 11-year-old is just magical to me. So I'm very thankful for that. And the pit of my day is that my children, <laughs> one of my ch- children, Daniel's sick again. Y'all, this has been the year of sickness. It has been the year of sickness. We have had so many sick days. And the thing with the sickness is like, it's always just Things that you visibly can see are sick, but like the energy is still there. (laughs) Like they don't want to lay down and take a nap. They're just as excited. They get bored just as easily. They want you to entertain them the whole day, but they also can't go to school. And you'd be looking at them like, "I I think you should be in school. I think you're fine. I think you can be there. And the school's looking at you like, nah, keep them home. So we are at that point where it's nah, keep him home. And he's like, mommy, look at me. Mommy, mommy, mommy. If you have ever met my children, I don't know why, but Daniel is the sneakiest one because you think that he is the quiet one. This boy talks so much. Like, I think I talk a lot and that I talk fast. This guy, I don't think he breathes. It, he just talks nonstop. So he is here with me today. I think I have him occupied, but he may come in. You might hear a cute little Daniel voice in the midst of this episode. But today I want to talk to y'all about what happened last week <laughs> and why I wasn't here. Um, and if you are listening and you have children that know my children, maybe come back to this episode later because I'm about to tell you some of our business. And I was really happy when an 11 year old came up to me and was like, "I listen to your podcast and it's so good." And my heart was moved. And then I was also like, "Oh, they're listening." So I we need to protect my children, y'all. So if you have a child that knows my children, Pause this, come back later. But we're gonna talk about um how my daughter ran off the babysitter. I don't I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> Y'all, my days are spent getting kids ready for school, taking them to school, going to work, working, picking them up, taking them to 17 different activities trying to teach a children's book publishing class, trying to record my podcast, meeting with high schools and other places because of this other aspect of my job, and doing parent coaching. And as you can imagine, my schedule is full back to back to back. And then I have an entrepreneurial husband who is in the library and literacy space, and he goes to writing conferences in the middle of the week. So last week, I was with all my children, without my husband, <laughs> I had to stop myself from saying a slick comment, but I I shall continue. And I usually have a babysitter on Mondays and Wednesdays to help me with the nighttime routine and getting the children to all the different activities, because I will literally have a third of my children in Santa Monica, a third of my children in L.A., and a third of my children in Marina del Rey. And I can't be at all the places at once. So our babysitter was at the house with the youngest three. I was at basketball with my second oldest, and I start getting text messages from everyone in the house (laughs) talking about your child. I'm going to try not to say her name, but if you guys listen to the episodes, you'll probably figure out who it is anyways. Um, But I start getting text messages from siblings saying, so-and-so is out of control, She's being really rude and disrespectful to Samaya. That's our babysitter's name. So then I text Samaya. I'm like, how's it going? She's like, oh, these children. y'all. Usually my kids go to bed at about seven o'clock, right? Mind you, the time just changed also. So seven o'clock feels like six o'clock to their bodies. And it looks like, you know, the sun is still out outside. So they're probably looking at us and laughing in our face that we're even trying to get them to bed at this time. Uh, But we tried it. And Samaya texts me these children are, she did not say wide awake. She said, these children are wild awake. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no. I'm like, I don't know if this is a typo or if they are wilding out right now. No, it was not a typo. These children were wild awake, jumping off of beds, playing wrestling games, just not listening to her and starting to get mad at her that she's telling them it's bedtime. So... I can deal with wild awake as a parent, like from a distance. I can deal with wild awake. Cause I think we can try to get them together, but wild awake turned into disrespectfully awake, rude awake and dangerously awake. Uh, so we end up coming back from basketball, And I sit down. Samaya actually asked me, like, when you come back, can we have a conversation with this child in particular? The other two are asleep already. Can we have a a conversation with this child in particular and me? So we sit down, we have a conversation. And this child is still just like, she don't lost her mind. Like, we, (laughs) she was still in this mood of like, no, and so, and, and. And we're trying to tell her, you know, how her actions are not okay and not appropriate. And specifically, this idea of I guess there was a moment where they were making fries. So there's hot grease in the kitchen, and she wants to take the fries out of the pot, but it's hot boiling grease. And Samaya's like, I'm going to do this part. You can't do this part. And she's like, I can do it. I'm in charge. And so Samaya said to me, like, I I don't think she realizes that I'm in. Can you let her know who's in charge? And so I said, I'm like, I think to my daughter, I'm like, I think that you're a little bit confused about being in charge of your body versus being in charge of the situation and what being in charge of your body looks like. And I often have to talk to my children about managing their body and when I need to step in and help them manage their body if they're not able to manage their body safely because they're still learning. So there was this challenge all night of I'm in charge versus I'm in charge of my body. Um, and so I guess she started like physically trying to pull the spoon from another sibling and they were by the hot grease. So the babysitter's like stressing out because she's like, someone's going to end up in the hospital and this is not cool. So it was a big night. And at the end of it, we ended up sending this child to bed. I was like, you need to go to sleep. You're, you're not even able to hear us right now. Your body needs rest. And by this time, it's probably like 930. So at this point, it is past her regular natural bedtime We've had the time change. We are getting ready to go back to school, and you just need to go to sleep. And I sit and I talk with Samaya afterwards, and Samaya ends up leaving the house in tears. She was just so overwhelmed and stressed out by how the night went. She was sad by the way that my daughter was talking to her, Um, and I think that my daughter was saying things like, "You're the worst babysitter ever," right? And my heart was really broken because Samaya is a young girl and I feel like I don't care who you are. You don't deserve to be spoken to any kind of way. I don't care who you are. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what age the person talking to you is. I don't care if the person is my child. Like as a person, Samaya should not have been treated this way. She shouldn't have been spoken to this way. Her night should not have been so rough. So I'm heartbroken for Samaya this girl that I care about watching her have a stressful night and I'm heartbroken because I'm like damn this is my child like this didn't even just happen to her but my child did this to her and my child is the one who caused her to feel this stress and anxiety and then there's this other side for me, where I'm like, man, who am I? Like, <laughs> I got this parenting podcast. I got parents scheduling meetings with me to ask about their children. And here I am in my house with my child making grown people cry and and leave the house at 9 30 at night crying. Like, I should just quit everything. I shouldn't be a teacher. I shouldn't be a parent coach. I shouldn't have a parenting podcast. Like, this sucks. And as I'm going through this th- these thoughts, I start getting really angry and resentful. And this is where that pillar awareness comes in, right? We talked about being aware of your feelings, being aware of what's triggering you and how that affects how you approach parenting and how you show up. Now, fortunately for me, this was already nighttime. So this child had already gone to the bed if this child was awake, I probably would have been really, really upset with them and like really aggressive in the way that I approached it. And I would have approached the situation in a way where it's just reaction, like not no response, just reaction. And I remember also that uh, Samaya said to me, like, I think one of the problems is that she doesn't think there are any consequences to her actions. And that for me is triggering. Not, not in a negative way of like, oh, I can't believe Samaya just said that to me. But in the way of you know, conscious parenting, gentle parenting, it is always being challenged by so many people. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges is like when you approach it a certain way, there are no consequences. And so your children will just act any type of way. Your children are gro- gonna grow up to be brats. Your children are gonna grow up to not know boundaries, not know consequences and do whatever they want. And so hearing that my daughter didn't think there were any consequences, it did spiral me down this thought process of like, maybe this isn't working. Maybe I should be doing something different. Maybe I should whoop her. (laughs) I don't know. And I was feeling really, just really bad about the situation. Bad for Samaya, bad for my daughter, bad for me. And I know that we have also talked about the pillar of perception, And I have shared that my perception of children is that they are good and that they're good children having a hard time. Well, in this moment, to be quite honest, like I'm having a very hard time with the perception or perspective that my child is good. I'm like, no, these things are not good, right? But I have to take a step back and remember, no, my child is good, but her behavior is not right now. The things she is saying, what she is choosing to do with her body, with her words, with her choices, like these are not good choices, but she's still a good person. And I have to address her as a good human. Otherwise, I'm i am going to be mean. I'm not going to get through to her. She's going to see me as someone who's not on her side. And that is something that I've actually talked about recently with other with other parents in, in my parent coaching is this idea of being on the same team as your child, because if you want them to learn a skill, if you want them to grow, if you want them to change their behavior in certain ways, like they're really going to do it best if they feel like you are on their team and you care about them and you are supporting them, right? I don't know if any of y'all have people in your life who are just critical and if they tell you something, it almost even feels like, no, I don't even believe what you're saying because you're not someone that's on my side. You're not someone that's on my team. So I can't even believe what you tell me to do because you're someone that's just critical of me and you're just somebody who doesn't like me. And so you're not you're not the person who's going to help me grow in this area. So being on the same team as your child is important. And in order to do that, I had to, one, be aware of my own feelings, triggers, and thoughts. I had to, two, Be aware of what my perspective and perception was of the situation and of my child and start, you know, kind of thinking through like what what is going on? Another thing that I talk about is this idea of parenting being like a processing job, (laughs) helping your children to process situations, helping your children to process emotions you yourself processing your emo- emotions and experiences. And so while she was asleep, my job at that moment, as tired as I was, was to process the situation. And I think on that night, I couldn't help but to want to try to process what was happening. I think that it is okay if you feel tired in these moments to, for yourself to get some sleep, right? Take care of your basic needs and address this with a clear mind and with more energy, I could not do that on that night. I had to start processing that night because of how I felt. But I had to start thinking, I'm like, okay, well, the time did just change. Maybe this is messing her up. So for me, saying the time changed was not that that it it doesn't match what's happening. <laughs> like her calling somebody the worst person or worst babysitter ever her fighting over hot grease, that that behavior doesn't necessarily match a time change because there were many other things that happened that night as well. So yes, the time change could mess her up in the sense that she's tired and it's a little bit harder for her to manage her emotions, but that's a lot. So I start thinking some more. I'm like, what else is going on with her? And I realize uh, this is where y'all are gonna figure out who it is. (laughs) But my daughter has um, really bad eczema and for her eczema, the only thing that we've found that works is a topical treatment that is a steroid cream. And it is actually a real thing that when the body stops using these steroids dramatically and instantly, they can go into withdrawal. So we actually did run out of her cream a couple of days before. And so she's not using her cream. Her body is breaking out all over. She has these little bumps. Her eczema is starting to come back in full effect. And I have seen in the past how when her eczema is bad, it affects her sleep, which is going to affect how she feels the next day, which is going to affect her behavior. And now I also know that her body is going into withdrawal because she doesn't have her steroid cream, right? And I share this not to say that I'm excusing her, but I'm also noticing how these things are affecting other areas of her life and how sometimes refilling her prescription of cream. I'm like, oh, we could just use Aquaphor tonight and I'll get back to the steroid cream like in a couple of days. But no, it's actually more immediate that I need to do this and handle it because now it's affecting her behavior. It's affecting her choices. It's affecting her ability to manage herself. And I'm not, maybe I am trying to excuse my daughter. I don't know. I'm not trying to excuse the behavior, but I am trying to figure out What is happening and what's wrong? Because if I can't figure out the root of the problem and I'm just addressing the behavior and telling her, you know, you're in trouble, no TV, I'm not actually helping whatever else is going on with her body. And it's important to me to be able to help the whole child, right? I don't just want a child who acts right because they're afraid to misbehave for the sake of misbehaving and the consequence of it. I want a child who actually genuinely chooses to treat people with respect and kindness, And I also want a child who grows into an adult who, when they see that something is wrong, they know how to speak up. I don't just want to kill that part of her. So anyways, I go to sleep, day passes. And this is one of those things, like, I'm like, I often share with you guys how important it is to work on building skills outside of the moment. That inside of the moment, they're pissed off, they're dysregulated, They're upset, and it's going to be really hard to teach them skills in those moments. It's going to be really hard to even throw logic at them in those moments. And so sometimes the frustrating part of parenting is that we have to wait to get outside of the moment to teach them these skills, to share with them the logic of the situation, to try to teach them the empathy and compassion of thinking about the other person. So I recognize that my daughter is dysregulated all night long acting crazy, jumping off stuff, yelling at people, fighting over grease. And so for me in that moment, regulation wasn't a thing. And when I talk about regulation, I want to take a quick moment to talk to you guys about what regulation is. I think a lot of times we talk about regulation in the parenting space as managing emotions. And that's just one aspect of what self-regulation looks like. There are actually four parts to self-regulation. Three of them are what we call executive functioning skills, and then the fourth one is managing emotions. I'm going to give these to you real quick, and then maybe on another episode we can go fully into what regulation looks like, dysregulation looks like, and how to self-regulate or start to build those skills. But one of the first aspects is flexible attention. That's the ability to shift attention. I don't know if you've ever heard of people talking about hyper-focus, or maybe you have the TV on and you're trying to get your child's attention, and they're just kind of zoned out. That is that flexible attention. Like if your children have the ability or you yourself, if you have the ability to be flexible in your attention and to shift attention from one thing to another, right? Another part is working memory. That's an executive function skill that plays a big role in how we process, how we use, and how we remember information on a daily basis. So this might be You know, for me, this is actually a hard one. I'm still working on this skill, (laughs) y'all. I might schedule a meeting with somebody the next day. Now, as an adult, I can put it in my calendar, but these are still things that I have to remember when I'm scheduling my day. Like, can I remember what I have in front of me? In the space of a child, if I tell my child, like, put on your shoes and go get your lunchbox and line up at the door. Do they have the ability to put on their shoes and grab their lunchbox and come to the door or are they putting on their shoes and grabbing a toy and starting to play, right? This working memory of like, what do I have to do in the tasks in order that I have to do it? The other one is inhibitory control. And this involves being able to control your attention, your behavior, your thoughts, your emotions, and to even override those larger emotions when you want to react a certain way. So it's also impulse control, right? The ability to want to do something and then control and choose whether or not you do it. So all of these things, all of these four items in the realm of regulation are things that I see my daughter struggling with, particularly in that night. She was struggling with where is she supposed to be and what is she supposed to do? She was struggling with this is what I want to do, but should I actually do this right now? And when we talk about regulation, it is not something that we're born with. This is something that we have to learn and we have to learn over time and we build it with skills. So in the days after that, and these take days, we're still working on this today. Um, One of the reasons that I wasn't here was because I was using the time to work on these skills with my daughter and to be present with her rather than leaving her with Samaya again on a Wednesday to record my podcast, I was like, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to have Samaya pick up my daughters who are in Santa Monica, and I'm going to stay home. I'm going to stay home with my child. I'm going to make sure she has my attention. And rather than just having a regular night, we're going to work on these skills. So what we did was we talked about what was going on that night. We talked about how she was feeling that night. We talked about how it's okay to feel that way, but what are the ways that you can respond to those feelings? And when I say parenting is processing, one of the things that we did, too, was I, I asked her the question, like, what do you mean that she's the worst babysitter ever? What does that mean? What were you feeling when you said that? And then she'll talk about her feelings. And I'll say to her, help her process what she was feeling. I'll say, what I'm hearing you say is that you don't like the fact that it was bedtime. Does that make Samaya a bad babysitter? no. I just didn't want to go to sleep. So if you're feeling upset with something like, what are some other things you can do rather than trying to make someone else feel bad? So we started talking about that. And then I said, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we make a book? So we made a little pocketbook. We cut a piece of paper into like eighths. So the size that would fit in your pocket. And we started naming all of the ways, like all of the alternative things you can do when you're mad. My daughter came up with, if I'm mad and I want to hit somebody, I can blow myself away, right? So we often tell children, like, take a breath. But instead of just taking a breath, and this is something we talked about before, she'll exhale really hard. And with that exhale, she'll take a step back. And part of that is just the idea of if you have physically moved yourself away from somebody, you can't hit them. So if you are feeling like you want to hit somebody or something, blow yourself away just so vicinity-wise you're not even able to do the thing that your impulses are telling you to do. Another thing she said was, I can go outside and appreciate nature. That was the one she came up with. I said, I love that idea. Yeah, let's go outside. Let's look at the trees. And you can do this day or night, right? <laughs> Another one she said is, I can do 10 jumping jacks. We came up with a list of, I think, 32 different coping skills that you can use. Some of them are listening to music, which I love. I love these ones that are easily accessible, especially in the moment. And the amazing thing of what this little booklet did was, one, it allowed us outside of the moment in a time where she was calm and able to receive the information she was getting and giving, we were allowed to have that full discussion and come up with these skills. Two, she was able to internalize them. This is not just me saying, do this because you have to do this. This is her actually coming up with her own solutions so that they're within her. And when they are within her and she put them in there, it's easier for her to draw them out. You know, I I heard someone once talk about the brain as a kitchen. It's like, we go to the kitchen, we know exactly where our plates are, we know exactly where our knives are because we use them every day. So usually these are the things that are like right on the counter, right in the front drawer. But sometimes we want to go and bake a cake and we're looking for our whisker and we're like, where is that thing? And we're looking underneath the cabinets and we got to scoot stuff out the way and we're looking behind things to look for that thing that we don't use often. It's the same thing with your children. Like if you want them to use something often, you have to make it accessible to them. You want it on the counter. You want it in that front drawer. You don't want this to be something that you gave them one time and now in the moment they got to sift through a back drawer and move stuff around to find the skill. You want this to be something that they have right at the tip of their brain. And part of the way we do this is by having them come up with the solution. It's theirs. It's in the front. And then have them practice that solution on the regular, right? You can do it on a daily even when nothing is happening just to practice the skill. The other great thing that it did was it invited her siblings into it. They were seeing what we were doing and making this book and they're like, we want to make one too. So all of them made these little pocketbook of, what did they call it? They called it Ways to Feel Better. And they drew little pictures and they wrote the letters of what they could do, breathe, jump, sing, And now they have their whole body involved in this, right? It's not just them talking about it. They're also writing it. So their body is remembering these things. Their mind is remembering these things. They're getting excited. This is a moment where we're all connecting and bonding. So we also have that experience of it's a positive experience for them. And it worked. Like, it actually worked. I want to say a day later... We're in the car, and two of the sisters are fighting in the back of the car on the way to school. And Matilda was about to say, because this whole, you're the worst, I don't know where these kids got it from, but it's become like a phrase that they're using. So I think Matilda was about to yell, you're the worst sister ever. And I see her lift her little hand, and she says, you're the worst. And her hand goes up, and she grabs her hand and pulls it down to her heart. And she said, oh, mom, I remember my book. And then she said... holding her heart. And I just cheered and praised her. And I watched her get so excited. And I've seen Eden do the same thing where she was about to react a certain way. And she said, oh, wait, I remember my book. Or she just pulled her book out and started flipping through the pages to remember a skill and practice the skill. And so I invite you today (laughs) to one, have compassion on yourself. We all have these moments in parenting where we just feel like we are failing where we just feel like all these things we're investing time into learning and practicing and putting into play, they're not working and we need to just go back to old school. You don't, just have grace, spend time. Last week's episode, we did talk about being in it for the long run. So invest that time, give yourself grace and compassion and practice these things with your children. My homework to you this week is to, outside of the moment, In a moment where you're just connecting with your child, teach them a new coping skill. It could just be one. Or if you want to do like we did, sit down and make a little pocketbook of coping skills with your child and call it Ways to Feel Better. But be graceful with yourself. Be graceful with your children. Take the moments if you need them. If you need a night to sleep on it, you can come back to it. And it actually is more effective when you come back to it outside of the moments of these strong emotions, when you can sit down and connect and create a positive experience around honing in on these skills. So I hope that helped somebody today. If it helped nobody, it helped me just to get it off my chest. So thank you all for listening. I told y'all you're my friends. (laughs) Come back next week. We have more for you. And don't forget to join the free Parenting for the Culture podcast club on uh, Google Classrooms. The link is in the show notes or it's on my Instagram page at Cherise Sims. And always, always connect with me. If you guys have questions, if you have these moments of struggle, or if you just want to release and share with somebody what's going on, you can email us at podcasts with an S at blacklove.com, or you can DM me at Cherie Sims or engage in the Google Classroom and share there where there are other parents who are just like me and you. So I will see you guys next time. Thank you all for tuning in and have a good one, y'all. Peace, everybody.